0: Uh, we're starting a new series, and I want to take a minute just to give uh, some background to 2 Corinthians uh, before we actually started reading it. 2 uh, Corinthians is the true or false, the second letter to the Corinthians. It's false. Uh, it's actually the third letter to the Corinthians uh, that we know of, though we don't have the first letter to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, he references an earlier letter. Uh, Corinth was a, a big town uh, in a big city, uh, a, a crucible of paganism, one uh, writer said about the city. It was a place for the socially ambitious to, to go, to climb the ladder, a uh, place of power, might. Uh, major goddess was Aphrodite, the, the goddess of sexuality, sensuality, uh, love, all of those things. Uh, that was a little bit of the setting of Corinth. Paul had one of his longest ministry stints there. Uh, during his second missionary journey, uh, he was there for about 18 months. So it's a church that he, he knows well, uh, has had personal interactions with them. Uh, but it's a church that he's had some tension with. Uh, he has visited, uh, he's writing this letter that we have uh, just before uh, what will be his third visit there. Uh, He had the first visit where he spent all that time, and then he references in this letter a painful visit uh, that he had in between, uh, or after that first visit, where they were dealing with some issues, and Corinth dealt with a lot of issues. Uh, There were uh, sexual issues going on in the church, we saw that in 1 Corinthians, Uh, there are uh, financial issues that he is dealing with. There's ecclesial issues. There are issues, uh, legal issues, all, all kinds of things. So, I mean, it is a it is a jacked up church in a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, the good news is is when when Paul greets them, he says to the church that is in Corinth, he he recognizes them uh... and and he says with all of the saints who are in the whole of acacia paul recognizes and this is one of the things that we see just when we come to second corinthians is that it is the gospel the grace of god uh, that works in the hearts and lives of people that makes all the difference in the world yes of course there are issues there are issues in any gathering of people that you come to. Why? Because we're people. Uh, We're people who are marked by the fallenness that inhabits our world. Uh, But Paul is writing to them with the grace of God. And in particular, in this letter, a couple of the things that were in focus were uh, issues of, of power and weakness. Uh, You can trace that all the way through, and we're going to touch on that a little bit today. Issues of power and weakness and the interplay of them. As I've already mentioned, Corinth was a place of power, right? It was a place for the socially ambitious. They were drawn to that. One of the ways that we see this is that there is this debate whether Paul was strong enough to sort of be their leader. He's considered weak. There's been a group of super apostles that have come through, and uh, they've established their credentials. They've taken patronage from the Corinthians, and, and they are wondering, is Paul the one you know, who can actually inspire us and lead us and, and all of these things? And so 2 Corinthians is a lot of that. Uh, there's that interplay between power and weakness, and our study is going to be a bit selective Uh, We're not going to get into all of the the Paul's defense of his own ministry, at least not directly, but we want to pay attention to what he says about weakness and affliction and uh, its relationship to power uh, as we track through. And we begin right away this week by hearing uh, how Paul begins to talk about that relationship to God God who comforts us in our affliction in our weaknesses so I invite you with all of that background you only get that once if you come next week you'll have to re-listen to that 2nd Corinthians chapter 1 the first seven verses Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy our brother to the church of God that is in Corinth with all the saints. Who are in the whole of Acacia. May grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies. And the God of all comfort. Who comforts us in all our afflictions. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. With the comfort that, with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For. As we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know. That as you share in our sufferings, you also will share in our comfort. Thus far in the reading of God's word, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. What do you think of when you think of comfort? Think of your pillow, your warmth, uh, the, the environmental surroundings. I was trying to think through all of the types of things that we use comfort for, you know, in advertising. Think about shoes, you think about clothes, you think about mattresses and pillows and all of those things. Think about comfort, right? We think about comfort sometimes with people. Uh, I just feel comfortable around that person or I feel comfortable, you know, being with this person. Uh, We use comfort in a lot of different ways. We seek comfort. I actually did some Googling and said, okay, in need of comfort. And uh, so I got a list. If I am in need of comfort, uh, here is what you do. You stretch your body. You take a shower. You visualize a peaceful image. Speak compassionately to yourself. uh, Reach out to others. Ground yourself. Very strange description of that, Uh, imagining roots growing through your body into the earth. I didn't find that very comforting. Um, Listen to soothing music, practice mindfulness, move your body, picture the positive, zoom out, uh, get a different perspective, uh, practice alternate nostril breathing. I worked on that a little bit. That was number 12. And then number 13, if you're looking for comfort, let yourself feel bad. Uh, You know, good things there from Psychology Central. That was literally what it was from. Uh, There were some some good things there, but I, I just felt like it fell short of the comfort that Paul is talking about here. Uh, in this passage when he talks about the God of all comfort. And I want to dig into that this morning. And uh, I have an outline for you and I even, since I was missing Steve, left some blanks for you in the outline. So here they are. Uh, So what? Number two, so God. And number three, so that. There you go. You got your fix. So what? We, we need comfort. Uh, this passage, uh, you know, the word uh, comfort, I believe is like 11 or 12 times throughout these very short verses. Uh, it's, it, it just is, is filled, inundated uh, with the idea of comfort. Uh, corresponding to that, of course, is the, the need for comfort, and, and we get that in the idea of affliction or tribulation, as some uh, passages translate it, or sufferings, you know, that whole cluster of words that are right there. What is Paul referring to when he is highlighting affliction or tribulation? You know, what is actually our need? There's two senses of it that I think we can talk about. The first is this. There is the, the general tribulations uh, that come with all of life, right? This is just, as we've already alluded to, part and parcel of our humanity in a fallen world. Uh, I, am, I put it that way because it's not the way the world was created to be, uh, we were created without suffering, without tribulation. We were created at perfect peace and in harmony with God. We walked with him, with Adam in the cool of the day, and there was no trouble. But once sin entered that world, a- and once you know, we became marked by brokenness that sin offered... Uh, affliction tribulation all of these became part and parcel of our existence and and we know that we know that in every single sphere of who we are we know it in our physical our our bodies hurt they break down Uh, we can especially see that as we get older I know some of you uh, know what I'm talking about in a very firsthand sort of way but it happens to the best of us, as they say, to the youngest of us. I mean, we see, you know, go down to, to Helen DeVos, and, and you see all kinds of brokenness inhabiting the bodies of the very youngest among us. We, we know what it's like to have physical suffering, psychological suffering. Spent some time reading this week, um, The Sweet Fruit from a Thorny Tree. Uh, which was a, a meditation by Charles Spurgeon, who was, you know, often called the the Prince of Preachers, uh, but who suffered with just the most horrible depression. Uh, he he struggled with it all the time, and and that reflection uh, is about his depression and, and and how it affected him and 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 how he had to really lean into it to glean the, the blessings and the comfort of God. And, and many of us know these types of, of psychological afflictions, sufferings, uh, depression, paranoia, panic attacks, all of these things. The numbers, uh, anxiety, depression among young people are staggering. Uh, I mean, we are almost in an epidemic uh, in America uh, with regards to anxiety, depression, all of the psychological brokenness, brokenness, especially among millennials. Uh, now we can trace that back and ask a lot of questions why. It's not the source or it's not the purpose of my bringing that up today. It's just to say we know affliction. We know affliction uh, in our physical bodies, and our psychological bodies. We know affliction in our relationships. Anybody have any difficulty in their relationships lately? Of course we do. Yeah, <laughs> you know, of course we do all the time. You know, in small ways and in large ways. Some of us, uh, you know, we have those minor bumps along the way uh, with our kids, with our spouses, with our best friends, uh, with the people we serve with at church. All of these things we we experience those minor bumps. Others of us. No estrangement uh, from people that we should be walking closely with, people that we've been given to love, and, and we know enmity and estrangement and bitterness, and we, we know affliction. We know suffering, whether you're inside the church or outside the church, right? We, we know these things. We know it on a grand scale. Some of you have been, you know, tracking with Nike and their new advertisement, Colin Kaepernick, you know, talking about some things are worth sacrificing everything for, Uh, referring to his stance with regards to the national anthem and uh, racism in America and experience of that. Whatever you think about that, that's not my purpose at all. Uh, But just to say systemically, we know affliction. You know, here in America, uh, in foreign countries, you know, places around the world, persecution going on. Uh, these are not just simply individuals, these are whole systems uh, that, that know the brokenness. Whether we, you know, we can talk about fault and, and cast blame, you know, maybe it's easier in a place like Venezuela, uh, where you have a dictator who is acting in, in very Uh, very anti-God sorts of ways, Uh, but we recognize that there are whole, whole systems. My point is this, affliction, suffering, everything, generally marks the entirety of our existence. All of us, inside the church, outside the church, we know what it's like when Paul says, we need a God who can comfort us in our suffering, and all the church says, amen. Amen. We we have suffering. We know it. We need something that can connect to us. Now, what I would highlight further is that it's not just general suffering, but there is a peculiar type of suffering for Christ. You see that here, uh, who comforts us in our affliction. For as we share abundantly, verse 5 in Christ's sufferings, uh, we endure sufferings uh, for your sake. There is a specific way or manner in which Paul and his companions experience general suffering that has a purpose or a telos that goes beyond just simply that flat experience. So, see if I can explain this a little bit differently, maybe better. There is general suffering, uh, and and all of us experience it. But, and, and it's of the same nature, it has to do with the brokenness of the world. But for the Christian, you know, all of that suffering is given a different meaning, a different experience because of the orientation of our hearts and our minds, because of the purpose with which we see our suffering. Look it, let me give you an example. Person A, person B has cancer. Uh, person A endures the suffering. Uh, not necessarily... Uh, as, a, as, a, as a disciple of Christ, but they endure the suffering. They seek uh, the healing that they can receive from that suffering. They receive the comfort that they can from friends and family. But the cancer doesn't have a deeper purpose. Person B, same cancer. But at root for that person is how is my faith Working with this particular suffering in this particular moment so that God will continue to receive the glory. What is the purpose, the telos uh, of this suffering in me? Because I know that God works to refine. You know, he's making me more and more after the image of Christ. There is something deeper in that. Do you see how it's the same suffering, but it's experienced differently? I mean, there's lots of people in this world that experience persecution, right? But not all of them experience persecution and suffering for Christ. You know, Paul experienced the persecution of a difficult regime, but he was doing it as part of the telos of making Christ known. There were others that experienced that, you know, very similar persecution, but it didn't have as its telos making Christ known. And they weren't people that were saying, how is my faith operating in the midst of that? And so what we see here is that you know? while there is general suffering for everybody, and it doesn't differ in nature from the suffering that Christians experience, Christians experience suffering in a peculiar way with questions of faith, and questions of God's glory, and questions of what is the telos and the purpose of this suffering. There's a meaning to it. That is not attached for those who are outside of Christ. So, that's the what. So what? We suffer. We suffer generally. We suffer as believers. So where do we go with that? Now, that's the second point. So, God. Very interesting here in verse 3. Paul starts out, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. It's not unusual for Paul to begin his uh, exordiums here. This follows a rhetorical framework. Those of you who are classically educated or know those types of things know what an exordium is. Uh, This is Paul's exordium. And he, in, in this, is mentioning his patron. His patron is not the Corinthians. The Corinthians were a little bit confused by this. They were a very wealthy congregation and uh, some of the super apostles that came through, uh, they became big supporters of them, patrons. Think of a patron of the arts type thing. And Paul is saying, "Look at, I am not beholden to anybody. None of you is my patron. My patron is God, and, and you are the client. Uh, you are the one who I am, po- you know, I'm pointing you to God." And that's exactly what he's doing here. God is the patron. And one of the things that we see with regards to comfort is when we are really going to talk about comfort, you have to start with God. To start anywhere else is, is foolish, to start anywhere else is, is just an emptiness. Uh, you know, that passage that we read in Isaiah for the call to confession, when you cry out, when you are in your affliction, let your collection of idols deliver you. And what does the prophet say? Well, go for it, but the wind will carry them all off, and a breath will take them away. You know, there is nothing that can provide comfort for us in the midst of our crying out other than God. And Paul knows this. And Paul says, in my affliction, I cry out to God. And he is the one that I am going to point you to as well. We start everything uh, with God when we are seeking the answer to affliction. Why? Because it's his nature. This is the second sort of sub-point under there. So, A, God is our patron. B his character is such that he is the father of mercies and the God of all all comfort. Tied up with who God is, is exactly what we need in the midst of our affliction. It's exactly what we need in the midst of our suffering. We need the mercies of God. We need the comfort that he provides. Now, I think for a minute here, we need to just pause and, and say, what, what is it that we're looking for? You know, are we looking for a soft and tender word? Are we looking for a cuddly blanket? Are we looking for, you know, sort of a, a pillow that will conform to the shape of our head? Uh, what are we looking for when we're seeking comfort, mercies? Oftentimes, as I've explored this just in, in our parlance, you know, it's, it's those types of things. It's soft. It's tender. It's, And it is that. But do you know the word comfort itself? It, it's a combination of two Latin words. "com,fort," forte. Right? With strength. You know, there's nothing soft. And cuddly about the comfort and the mercy that God brings into our life. Maybe that's not the best way to say it. I mean, God meets us tenderly, all of those things. But my point is this it, it's powerful, it's real, it's true. You know, when we see, when we need, when we cry out to God, not to our idols, we are met by something solid, not something ephemeral and misty. Uh, We are met by a solid reality that we draw comfort with. He comes alongside of us with strength. It's a very uh, deep word. Uh, Paraklesis is the noun in Greek. Uh, Some of you know that word, just how it's used in in different ways. The Holy Spirit is said to be our our paraclete, uh, our parakaleo. He's the one that is sometimes called the the comforter or the counselor, translated that way. Jesus is described as that way. Uh, Here's how one writer describes uh, the word here. The word he uses is a bit more many sided than comfort. It can mean to call someone, to come near, to make a strong appeal or exhortation, to treat in an inviting or friendly way. The whole idea of the word is that one person is being with another, speaking words that have the power to change the mood in the situation, giving them courage new hope, new direction, new insights will alter the way they face that moment, the next day, and the rest of their lives. There is a power, there's a reality to the comfort that God supplies for us. So, God is our patron. It's His nature as the Father of mercies and the God of comfort to comfort us. But then, the last thing to note under here, God as the source, is this. He can comfort us precisely because he has the credibility and the know-how to know what affliction means. You, know, you, you get a sense of that again, you know, the passage from Isaiah uh, 57. I dwell... For thus says the Holy One who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I mean, there you get a real sense of God of power, right? And he says, I dwell in the high and holy place, but also with him who is of contrite and lowly spirit. We recognize that, that God has not so removed himself from the brokenness of his world that he doesn't know exactly what we need uh, in a given moment. He, this is highlighted here in this passage. He's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are sharing abundantly, in verse 5, in Christ's sufferings. You know, Christ is the one uh, as the Godhead experienced the brokenness of, of the world. We see it in so many familiar passages, of place like Isaiah 53, uh, where we are told in verses 3 to 5, he was despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Christ knows... The affliction and the suffering that we are. So when we think of a source to go to. One who both has the power in his character to meet the affliction of sufferings. But also has the ability in what he has willingly undergone to empathize with us. We meet the person of God. Hebrews chapter 5. Just an amazing set of verses, verse 7 and 8. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. You know, we, we have a Savior who knows What we need. We have a Savior who has uh, met us in our affliction. And this is one of the great, beautiful things of the biblical story. No other religions really offer that. You know, every other religion is about persevering through the difficulty in order to reach a higher plane or a higher existence. It's never about a God who enters in to us, willingly going to the cross, taking on the very source of that brokenness so that we can be cleansed. It's it's not about those things. But this is a story that captures the very heart of that. And so I don't know all the answers to, to why we suffer. I mean, we can say it's because of the brokenness of the world, but why one person over another? I mean, we can... I don't know all the answers to those questions. But what I do know is that Christianity offers a story in which God himself has entered into that suffering in order to provide the kind of comfort and deliverance that we all need and long for. So what? So God so that now here's the interesting thing we could stop right there and I think you guys you know could all go home hopefully encouraged you know hopefully encouraged that yes there are difficulties in my life but God is the God of comfort who comes and comforts me you know and we we get into that point and and we want to hear those things and and we walk out built up we, we walk out with a plan for receiving comfort But that's not the end of the story here in these verses in 2 Corinthians, is it? You know, look at verse 4, which is so crucial to to what we are doing here. The Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction. You know, it's not related to, or it's not reserved for a specific type of affliction. It's all of our affliction. So that... In order that, with the purpose that, we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. If we just stop with what God gives us, and we enjoy it, and we give praise back to God, and and we we are, uh, we are stopping the cycle that God has intended. We, we are abruptly halting his plan for the world as comfort is meted out, as mercies are given. You see, it is a cycle in that as we have, received, uh, suf- as we have suffered, as we have received comfort... We are to pass it along. We are to give it to somebody else, inside or outside the church. Again, general suffering everywhere, right, in our world. I mean, as you walk out today in your neighborhoods, in the grocery store, uh, in your families, you will meet people that desperately need a word of comfort. And our call is to give the comfort that God has given to us. You, you see that here, don't you? Uh, verses 5 and 6, For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Uh, if, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings which we suffer. I, I, I confess, I, I just don't often think that way. I look for comfort for what I need. End of story. You know, that is its telos. That is its end. And I'm, I'm looking for that. But Paul says, no, this is, this is not the story that we're in. We're in a different story. And the story is, it doesn't end with you. You know, you receive comfort so that you give it on. You suffer so that you can receive comfort so that you can give it on. You know, there is a story that is through us to others, you know, and it just continues to go on and on and on. We cannot be insular Christians. You know we cannot have our relationship with God and and the comfort that we receive a, as the end of the story. That that's not why Jesus suffered and died. Jesus suffered and died so that we may receive and that we may share and that we may pass it on. You know what's interesting is Again, Paul is going to be talking about power and weakness. You know, the, the weakness, I mean, just, just like Christ, right? Why does Christ have credibility in our lives? It's because he has been where we have and he has suffered in every way that we have. You know, it's not just that he's God. <laughs> that sounds so strange. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's where he has walked. And it's the weakness that actually gives us power. We're going to talk about this you know, in the coming weeks. But, but this is what John Calvin says. He says, the suffering for Christ becomes the opportunity to experience the breadth and depth of God's love and mercy. And it's the suffering that endows us with riches to encourage others in their suffering god's supply will be commensurate with your need so so that you know what we're saying here number one is that the comfort we receive is not the terminus you know it is meant to be passed on and i want to do a little thought experiment with you here a minute i want you to stop and think and i had thought about maybe actually having cards made up i I just didn't get to it. You know, there were uh, too little week in the week. Uh, <coughs> think about somebody outside the church. You know, maybe in your neighborhood. Uh, maybe somebody that your kids go to school with. Uh, maybe it's, it's somebody in, that you see regularly at a grocery store or gas station. And I want you to write their name down. You can write it mentally if you want. But, you know, there's something about writing it physically, too. And I want you to pray in the coming weeks that God would give you an opportunity to share comfort with them. To to pass on what you have received from him into their life. You know, one of the things that's really interesting about this letter, and we'll talk more about it as we go, is uh, this in Philemon, Paul injects most of his self into. Uh, It's less theological, and it's very personal. He's very vulnerable. He says in chapter 6, we have opened wide our hearts to you. Will you open wide your hearts to us? You know, and, and it may take that. It may take that willingness to be vulnerable in sharing the comfort that Christ needs. But I want us as a community to really pursue this and, and to really pray about this in our lives. Because it seems to me, it's what God is asking us. Look it, I'm comforting you. Why? So that you might be a comfort to somebody else. And, and and there's something about making that real. You know, I have a list of people, and I I just don't talk about these things a lot. I just share this with you: a list of people that are outside the church that I pray for regularly. I keep it in my phone. Uh, when I'm stopped waiting for a kid, uh, that kind of thing, I'll, I'll go through and pray for these people regularly. Do you have that that kind of list? You know, maybe this is something that that. As we go through this, thinking very specifically about the comfort that you have received that you can give to somebody else. Maybe this is exactly the time to start that. But let me say one last thing. And it really flows out of that. We're talking specifically about the comfort. You know, it's this circle that we've been talking about, but it has the cross at the center. Everybody can give comfort in a certain level, right? We can come alongside. We can give the ministry a presence. We can listen to what people have to say. We can offer sympathy. You know, Job's friends gave a certain level of comfort to Job, right? They were there. They sat with him in his, you know, they, they, uh, they spoke. They listened to him. There, were, there was this interchange. But what they didn't do is they didn't go above the line, as it were, and point to the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. And and, and this is part of the challenge as we engage this, you know, the challenge is always to come to Christ. It's always to come to His finished work. It's always to come to the character of the God that we've been talking about. It's always to come back to Him. And do you know what? As you do this thing, which in one sense isn't really hard to share the comfort that you've shared or that you've received. You're sharing the gospel with somebody else. You're sharing the truths of God and His world and the love, and the strength, and the healing, and the power, and the hope. You see that in verse 7, right? Our hope for you is unshaken. <coughs> for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. When our, our, our comfort sharing is Christ-centered... We share with them the story, the gospel. And it's something that the world cannot do. If you're outside of Christ, you cannot do that. You can do some of that lower level comforting, but you can't do the higher level comforting that points to purpose and hope and all of these things. Let me just close with these world words. It's from Ann Voskamp. The book is called The Broken Way. I really recommend the book. I know she's got an individual writing style that not everybody uh, appreciates. Uh, But um, it's a good book, and she says this, The world is brokenhearted and full of suffering. If you listen to what life needs instead of what you need from it, We've been talking about that this morning, right? You know, it's easy to stop with what I need from life, what I need from God. But if we listen to what life needs, everything around us, you could fill the brokenness with your own brokenhearted love, and this will in turn fill you. What if you are not afraid? What what if you were not afraid to be vulnerable? What if you were not afraid to enter in? Here's the beauty. When we're naked and ashamed and alone in our brokenness, Christ envelops us with his intimate grace. When we're rejected and abandoned and feel beyond wanting, Jesus cups our face and says, Come close my beloved, when we're dirty and tear-stained and despairing, Jesus is attracted to us and proposes undying love. All that you're carrying, I take. All that I am is yours. How can we ever get over that? And how can we not share it? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We feel like we've only scratched the surface, power and weakness, affliction and comfort. Uh, We will never get over the ways that you have comforted us. And we pray that you would make us strong for the task, that your grace would be enough that it would be sufficient for us. And Father, we we do pray specifically this morning for those who need to be comforted. Think of those inside of our body today, young and old alike, uh, strong and healthy alike, put together on the outside, broken on the inside alike. We pray that they would have heard a word of comfort that at the very least, their eyes would be directed towards you, the source of all comfort. But Father, we also pray for those who are outside of a church community, those that we run uh, into daily in our schools, in our neighborhoods, places where we shop. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that we would be convinced and convicted that you have given us suffering for a purpose. You have comforted us for a purpose that we might share that comfort with those who are afflicted. And Father, we pray this not for our own glory, surely not, but it is only you who receives all of the glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.